And thank you so much for joining us once again. It is, I was going to say the Nightly Pleasures podcast, but it's not. I mean, I suppose it technically is. But uh, what this actually is right now is just a tip show that I forgot to put voice activity on for, which is why nobody was cheering before now. But you guys heard it at home, and now the live show will hear it as well. It is a tip show. It is the live show. It's the last live show of February. Uh, we do have a patron show coming up the last Thursday. Apologies for that. Uh, but that will end our housekeeping for today. As for me, I don't have a lot of stories. Uh, I don't have a lot of, of good news. But I will begin with a little bit of a celebration before we get into it. Uh, I, because, because we still live in the dark ages, you have to have a card here and a permit to buy marijuana. Uh, and because <laughs> I live in a state that is bullshit, that card can take a while to get to you. Uh, and so I thought, well, maybe that card's not going to arrive in time. I actually just got it, uh, and everything's working out great. So one less thing to worry about as I get everything up and situated. And then the other thing is, because you guys are always asking, I, I say pretty consistently uh, that I'm looking at Zillow, and I'm looking at Trulia, and I'm looking at a couple of other rental sites as well. Uh, but I am also actively going out and seeing places when I do see a place that works for me. Uh since since the the car got totaled in October, it has been a little bit of a rigmarole getting up and going, mostly with my PTSD, not with finances or logistics, uh, but mostly with PTSD. It's been a little bit difficult, not going to lie to you. But uh, back in the game, and I have been looking at places since January, but I really put in the effort this week uh, while going out and about, and uh, I've really been trying to contact and, 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 and look at one to two places a week. I know we're going to find some place eventually, and then I'm going to record my fucking ass off. If you think that I've done well so far, you have no idea. Last note before we begin, uh, when I started this uh, uh, show last week, I had a fairly impassioned plea, and that is that the podcast was kind of suffering, the engagement was down, followers were down. I uh, just want to say you guys have been amazing since then. Just absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for getting the word up and out, the engagement up and out. I really appreciate it 100%. Uh, I had to say some uncomfortable truths about where my income was heading the last four months and what it was like and what my what my plans were if, if I couldn't fix it. And I got almost nothing but support, positivity, and understanding. Uh, I, I can't tell you guys how much I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for that. Really, 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 truly. I'm being a little bit on form because I'm trying to be on message right now. But please don't think that that's any less sincere than normal. Um, and and just because there was some confusion, my fault in this, uh, I just want to clear it up here and now. Uh, I will be taking some time away in March. I still haven't confirmed what days away yet or, or what weeks away yet, I should say. Uh, when I come back, it will be season number one. Uh, we will be doing all 14 episodes. It'll be 14 weeks, 14 episodes, uh, not interlinked. It's kind of like a Black Mirror or an anthology program. So just 14 different stories, but uh, with a bit more planning and a little bit more polish and a little bit more ideating and, and ideating, uh, ideation and, and whatnot of you ahead of time. I'm very, very excited. Uh, we, we are going to be able to make this happen. So that is uh, everything I want to say before we get into it. Girls... Wouldn't you be so kind to do some quick quotes for me? I would love to say your quick quotes. If you have anything you want me to say, put in quotation marks. And let's say it. And let's rock on out. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do the hey, huh, huh, huh. 
uh, thing for you guys. But that's the energy I have. I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really, really good. Uh, it's going to be a rocking show, I think. We've got lots and lots of requests, so let's get into it. It's quick quotes. Sinful Caesar slipped his sifter, seized his knees, and sneezed. Come for me, Annabella. Confident Chelsea is the sexiest Chelsea. Hey there, doll. Did you miss me? Jesus, look at you. <laughs> are you going to say, oh, are you going to say howdy back, darling? One more time. Are you going to say howdy back, darling? There we go. Uh, you need to be fucked with your ass in the air so that I can spank it red. And that's it, kitten. Take all of Daddy's cock. Oh my God, baby. Yes. Oh, baby. Baby. Baby girl. Little girl, I could tell you Keep rubbing. You don't stop unless I say so. Do you understand me? Woman, I've got food and sex on the brain. Which one are you willing to satisfy? Good girl. Terry, daddy wants to fuck you. Hard. I love the way you look at me when you are turned on. Elise, I am so proud that you donated your hair. I know that you look different from what you're used to. I think you look pretty. Come here. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Edit that out. <laughs> Come here. Cuddle in and let me move on you, darling. You will answer my questions. Obviously, you consider me dangerous. You may be right. Get the handcuffs, kitten. Look me in the eyes when you come. How many fingers am I going to have to use tonight, little girl? That's right. Spread your legs for Daddy. Tell Daddy what you need, baby girl. You've been a very bad mutt. It's okay, baby. Daddy is right here. You're bold, 
I like that. Page, I could read you all night long. Really break your story open, if you know what I mean. <laughs> all right, girls. We're running clear on them. If you're new here, if it's your first time out, I would love to do yours. Otherwise, if you have been out here before, please make this your last one. Please make it your last one if you have submitted before. Let's move it right along. Last one if you have before. Good girls. Linda, Linda, Linda. I want to hear you beg for my cock. The more you squirm, the more I'll push deeper. The more you squirm, the deeper I'll push. Come on, girls, don't make me wait. Take it, sweet girl. MDS, thank you so much for being brave. Such a good little whore for me. I hope it was worth it for you, darling. <laughs> oh. And I still couldn't get anybody to do phone sex with me. If you're listening at home, I begged and pleaded. I begged and pleaded for hours. I flirted. Nobody would have it with me. If you want to have phone sex with me, you're going to have to come out your next time. Bring a friend. You're going to have to. It's up to you. I want to, but nobody would do it with Danny. No, it's free. It's free. You just have to have it on the podcast. Okay. Why, yes. I do haunt your dreams. How did you guess? Any last ones? Any last timers? I love to end with new girls. Any new girls last timer? Sim Kitty, thank you so much. <clears throat> Finish that term paper first. Then, maybe, you'll get your reward. Thank you, darling. That was Quick Quotes. Quick Quotes, I hope you enjoyed it. Quick Quotes! I hope you did. Indeed. And then we get on to the reading. We've got some poetry tonight. First time in a while, it looks like we have some short stories. And then we've got all kinds of smut. I don't know how much we're going to do or how much we're going to get through. But I want to take a real big bite out of it. What do you say? I hope you're feeling better soon, kitten. Daddy just had to fuck you. Okay, that was the last one for sure. Thank you, girls. If we could get a link to the tip jar. If you tip me, I will say your name unless you ask me not to say your name, in which I might still do it because the name comes after the message and I'm kind of like Ron Burgundy. It's a habit. I'm not great at it. <laughs> 
let's do some poetry while those are coming in. Okay. <clears throat> you say you love, but with a voice chaster than a nun's, who singeth the soft vespers to herself, while the chime bell ringeth. Oh, love me truly. You say you love, but with a smile cold as a sunrise in September, as you were St. Cupid's nun, and keep this week's of ember, oh, love me truly. You say you love, but then your lips, coral-tinted, teach no blisses. More than coral in the sea, they never pout for kisses. Oh, love me truly. You say you love, but then your hand, no soft squeezes, for squeeze returneth. It's like a statue's, dead, while mine, for passion, burneth. Oh, love me truly. Oh, breath a word or two of fire. Smile as if those words should burn me. Squeeze as lovers should. Kiss and in thy heart inurn me. Oh, love me truly. John Keats, you say you love, but with a voice. Okay. Somebody just came in, and they had the greatest message. I'm going to read it to you real quick, and I'm just, going to, I'm just going to try and take you through my emotional state. This person didn't do anything wrong, so don't think I'm teasing them. I'm just trying to bring you into my world, babies. Somebody wrote this amazing message, and just hear how it starts off and then how it ends. Ready? Hello. I'm new to the Grey Knight Discord, but not new to the Grey Knight Audios. Exclamation points. So nice. I'm thrilled to fall asleep <laughs> to this poetry piece. It's a live show! Hot train! Everybody come out! New girls welcomed! I'm here to fall asleep, please. Could you hurry it up? Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming out. Thank you so much for laughing and smiling. I really appreciate it. I hope you understand that I am not making fun of you, making fun of me and my ego. Here we go. Poem number two. <clears throat> There's sunlight tracing her skin. Because everywhere she is, that's how the lights get in. And there's a bravery when she whispers hello. Like the world is conquerable, and I am just steps from being crowned. So when people ask me who saved me from drowning, I have to be honest and say, myself. But I couldn't have done it without her help. And there is ink staining the pages of the histories, and they spell out here her name. Because she is flowers and freedom, sugar and spite. The stars twinkle in her eyes. The sun has met its match in her grin. Oh, let me tell the constellations they have nothing on her. Roses and Thorns 
She Is by Abby S. Sorry for the, the stunted ending there. Uh, dyslexia got the best of me, but on to the next one. <clears throat> if you were coming in the fall, I'd brush the summer by with half a smile and half a spurn, as housewives do a fly. If I could see you in a year, I'd wind up the months in balls and put them each in separate drawers until their time befalls. If only centuries delayed, I'd count them on my hand, subtracting till my fingers dropped into Van Diem's land. If certain, when this life was out, that yours and mine should be, I'd toss it yonder like a rind and taste eternity. But now all ignorant of the length of time's uncertain wing, it goads me like the goblin bee that will not state its sting. Uh, untitled, I do not have an author or title for that one. Very, very, uh, very evocative. Untitled. So I don't know. I've got an erotic poem here. Do I do it with the poetry? Or do I do it before we get kinky with it? Let's do it now. Let's do all the poetry. Here we go. My hands mold flesh. Your body sings, responding to my touch. I place two fingers on your lips and hush your whimpering cries. I part your lips and suck them greedily. Rolling your nipples between finger and thumb, I strum them erect, gently cupping sensitive breasts. Every brush sends shivers of delight, tingles up and down your spine. My other hand around your throat, I kiss your neck. I whisper dirty secrets, shameful truths. You can't hide from me, little girl. I know what you want. I'm the devil on your shoulder, who understands your need like no one else. An increased urgency as I respond to the quickening beat of your heart, the rising surge of blood throbbing in my ears between my legs, engorged and swelling in response to your siren song. Wet and hot and slick with honey, uncontrollable waves of pure joy flood your body. Beautiful agony in shaking spasms, wrapping you in bindings of pure joy. A rhapsody in red velvet, a rhythm in the song's restraint, bleeding you, binding you to the beat of your heart, the whisper of unforgiving demand. You cannot move, for I hold you firmly while I orchestrate this symphony, conducting your pleasure. Crescendo, Bills. 
your hips rise and buck against my hand. The rise and swell of sweet surrender, a slave to the rhythm, a quivering, shaking wreck, you come. Still twitching, aftershocks, the slighted touch becomes a pinprick of electric lighting, completely and utterly love-drunk, wide-eyed and legless, you puddle in my arms, utterly spent. Think of me when you play with your clit. Tease the swollen bud to tingling delight. Think of me tonight. And I will think of you. Locked within the hidden places of my mind, you wait for me, expectant and eager, bright-eyed and breathless. That goes by the term, by the name Rhapsody. And the author might be Red Velvet, or the title is Rhapsody Red Velvet. I'm not sure. That's what I've got. <clears throat> I'm going to to just say because that was that that poetry, uh, that uh, I was a little concerned when I read that it had all those musical terms in it, crescendo, symphony beat, all that sort of thing. Uh, but it was very well done, very tasteful, very well done. I liked it a lot. So thank you, whoever suggested that. I really don't know. I promise me. Uh, I promise me. I promise me a lot of things, but it's what I have to promise you that matters. I promise you. They don't tell me. Uh, who, who sends me what, and I don't ask. If you send it to Aurea Alley, they don't tell each other, they don't tell me, they just hand it over and I read it Ron Burgundy style. Because, uh, you know, play to your strengths, baby. <laughs> so this one seems a little bit sweet, and we're going to do it before we get into the more serious stuff tonight. I really like this one. <clears throat> I watch you as you sleep, curled up by your side. I can't help but be in awe of your beauty. Then I am driven to please you. Slowly, I slide under the sheets. All of this unknown to you, for you are still fast asleep, caressing and touching all of your body with fingertips. Slowly, I begin to lick your nipples, feeling them swell in my mouth, sucking in as much as I can. As my tongue rolls up and down, your breasts tempting that delicious hard knot tucked into my mouth. I glide my tongue along your stomach, kissing, nibbling, tracing my tongue upon the entire of your luscious body until I reach your exquisite fruit. Tracing the outline, my tongue begins to lightly open your lips which need no effort at all. Your wetness, the heat that I crave, hunger and thirst for, intoxicating my senses. I begin to lick gently, licking in and out, up and down, fucking your pussy with my tongue continuously. You steer as if only to spread your legs wider for me. You gently awaken. Like a dream you are having, you rock your hips in a rhythmic pulse that sings with my tongue in unison. 
I press my mouth, my face deeper into you, teasing you with my hungry tongue, which is eager to please you, fulfill you, and satisfy you completely. While tasting you, you moan softly with each other, with each stroke, as I pleasure you. I continue to lick and suck and tease your pussy, gently vibrating my tongue on your clit as you begin to climax, grinding your hips, fucking my mouth. You open your eyes only to find me, my head lying between your legs. I look up and smile as my tongue begins to work into you again. But this time, you're fully awake. The end. Isn't that nice? Isn't that sweet? Don't we all hope to find somebody like that? I'm just going to level the number of women who are like, I can't wait to give you head when you wake up in the morning. Uh, it's never like that. They never express it like that. It's never like, oh, you're going to wake up and you're going to have such a great day and it's going to be amazing and that's how it's going to start. It's always just all like, you're going to wake up and I'm going to be sucking your cock and then you're going to be calling my name and, and then you're going uh, to want me to ride you. It's like, come on, man, I just woke up. I don't want to do any of that. You don't know me. <laughs> I want to pee real bad. I probably want to get some water in me. I have licked a woman awake. I have licked a partner awake, not just some random woman, because that would be weird. I have licked a partner who knew, and I talked about it beforehand, awake. And uh, she did come. And she came. And she went, ah, 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 out of my way, out of my way. And just immediately ran to the bathroom to piss. <laughs> not like the movies. There's a lot more running to the bathroom to piss after sex with me than in the movies or in the podcast. I'm just saying. A lot more of it. There's a lot more of watching two ass cheeks rapidly undulate with the bit of, of panties just all the way wedged up in between them, even though they're not a thong or bikini cut, if you know what I'm saying. Jack, are you a virgin? But once every three months I get asked that, and every single time, I swear to Christ, I put both hands towards the heavens. <laughs> like, if it was all, like, super sexy sex, I'd agree with the question, but there's way too many, like, I can't get an erection in this episode, or, like, what are you talking about? The promotion was who? Like, there's way too much of that shit for me to not have had some sex. Don't we all agree? God damn you. All right, that was the last of the fun parts. Here we go. <laughs> Have you ever been with a man before? Yes, me, and I'm awesome. Let's do this. Okay. The sun hadn't fully risen when I woke, and the light trickled through the sheer curtain was gentle enough that I kept my eyes closed. The fact that I lay there with Dean on Christmas morning brought a smile to my lips. <laughs> I have story notes, but we're going to push through. Our moments 
from lusty and hot like last night to the sweetness in our sleep besides one another never stopped enthralling me. I I stretched one leg, careful not to shift too hard on the mattress surface, but Dean stood behind me. His hand reached out to brush over my hip. Are you awake? He whispered. Yes. Barely. He uttered the noise before scooting against me, the width of his chest warm on my back, and his legs folded up beneath my thighs. He brushed aside my hair, then pressed soft kisses on my neck and shoulders. Good morning. Morning. I looped my arm around his waist, grazing the fingers he'd laid on my hip before he slid them over my arm, then under it to glide over the Greek letters on my side. Do you find freedom when captured, is what they said. He asked me this our first morning together, his fingers playing over my tattoo like they were now, after we'd shared a wild night, where he invited me to explore this intense, delectable world between him. It'd been easy to say yes, because how could one refuse the adventures it felt like she'd been craving her entire life? Dean had drawn each and every one of my desires into the open, and somehow inspired even more. Do you want to know what I dreamed of? He asked. What? Last night, Lillian looked over my knee. I rubbed my cheek against the pillow and opened my eyes to Dean nestling closer. I hadn't dreamed of it, but I thought about it now. I'd liked trying it, and knowing it excited him as much as it did had turned me on, too. The deliberate discipline still felt silly, but... It was hard to miss how much we both enjoyed it. Dean arched his hips, his nascent erection rubbing against my ass. Where'd you like it most? I asked. Dean ran his hand over my hip, caressing it while he spoke against my neck. Most? Hard to say. He curved his fingers around my hip bone, like I loved, teasing me with the dig of his fingertips. The fact that your ass, oh, the fact that your ass was on display for me, the way you jumped around on my knee and rubbed your clit on me. I took a sharp inhalation, and Dean shifted his fingers forward, stroking the top of my mound with his faintest touch. The sound of my hand on you, that was sexy. The way you cried out, too, and when I hit your pussy. After he said this, he ran his fingers lower. I parted my legs, the blanket falling away from us. Did you like that? Yes. The spanking I was still pondering, but that, yes, he had done me in. Dean's fingers crept between my folds, insistent, exploring. He pushed them inside, and I moaned. You're already wet, dripping from us talking about it. 
I love how talking does this to you. Gets you wet like this. I rolled backwards into him, kicking my leg out and over his thigh to give him better access. Dean slid his arm between the mattress and my waist and hoisted me until I was almost on top of him. The fingers of his other hand sank in as far as they could. He clapped a hand over my breast and held me to him, his mouth hot on the top of my shoulder. Dean drew his fingers out, then swiped the pads fast over my clit like I loved. I gasped. Your clit is so swollen. Open your legs more. More love. I did. I splayed over him, and Dean tugged me fully atop him to plunge his fingers in again. I laced my fingers into my hair, loving how he held me and how deep his fingers sank before he stole them out to rub my witness all over my swollen bud. Fuck. I bucked my hips, and he pressed harder into me. Stay open, Maya, like this. I moaned, his fingers dipping in, then out in a deft tease. He clenched me tighter with the, ha with, with the hand on my chest to clap the other gently against my cunt. <sighs> yeah. Dean growled behind me. You like that, don't you? Yes, I whispered, unable to stop the word with how good it felt. How did, how did it firmer... He did it firmer his next time before shoving his fingers in deep. When he drew them out again, he clapped them around me again, making hard contact with my opening in a wet pop. I cried out, and he rubbed my clit and slapped my cunt once more. Pleasure danced its way through my senses, unfurling into my heart. Dean jammed his right fingers a bit into my flesh. When I moaned, he said, Come to me. The end. Excerpt from The Discipline by Jade A. Waters. Just going to remind everybody who's at the live show, please keep it positive. I have feelings. I read what you're saying. Thank you. <clears throat> you wouldn't go to a physical live show and say what you're saying. Don't do it here. Okay. <clears throat> Gabrielle fell into the bed, loosely tied robe barely covering her nakedness. Bright stains dotted the white sleeve and lapel. There was a red smear on her bare thigh, vivid scarlet on peaches and cream skin. God, how he wanted to put his mouth on that silky wedge of flesh. All over her. Only her. No. The command came out of him, dry as ash. His gut was clenched in a vice of pain, knotted and twisting. It pulled him down. His knees collapsed beneath him as he tried to turn away from the tempting sight of her, sprawling and bleeding like a sacrifice laid out before him. 
He dropped to the carpeted floor in a slump of bone and muscle, fighting back a need like he had never known before. She was killing him. This yearning for her, the shattering in his chest when he thought of her even being with another male. And then there was his hunger. Never more intense than when he met Gabrielle, now his lungs were filled with the perfume of her blood. He was ravenous. Lucian. He sensed her moving off the bed. Her feet crushed softly on the carpet and then came slowly into his view, pink-laced toenails like smooth little shells. She knelt down next to him. Gentle hands sank into his hair, then cupped his tense jaw as she slowly brought his head up to face her. Drink for me. He squeezed his eyes shut, but it was but it was a weak attempt to deny what she was saying. He didn't have the strength to fight her tender, yet unrelenting pull of her arms as she lifted him toward her. He could smell the blood on her wrist. This close, it sent a furious rash of adrenaline coursing through him. His mouth watered, fangs stretched longer, tearing his gums. She coaxed him higher, bringing his torso up off the floor. With one hand, she moved aside her long hair, bearing her neck to him. He flinched, but she held him firmly, guided him closer. Drink, Lucian. Take what you need. She leaned forward until there was only a breach of space between his slack mouth and the delicate pulse that flustered between the pale skin below her ear. she whispered, and brought him to her. He pressed his lips forcibly against her neck. She held him there for an anguished eternity. And then again, maybe it only took a small fraction of a second for the hook to set. Lucian couldn't be sure. All he knew was that the warm crush of her skin against his tongue, the beat of her heart, the rapid panting of her breath, all he knew was the longing he felt for her. No more denial. He wanted her, all of her, and the beast was too far gone to be merciful now. He opened his mouth and sank his fangs into the yieldling's flesh, deep into her throat. She gasped at the sudden penetration of his bite, but he didn't release her hold on him, not even when he gulped in the first greedy pull from her open vein. Blood rushed into his mouth, hot and earthy, sweet, exquisite, beyond anything he ever could have imagined. After 900 years of living, he was finally tasting heaven. He drank urgently, deeply, need overwhelming as Gabrielle's quenching blood surged down his throat into flesh and bone and cell. His pulse hammered with renewal, pumping blood into fatigued limbs and healing his recent wounds. His sex had come alive with the first taste, now it throbbed heavy and hard between his legs, demanding even more possession. Gabrielle was stroking his hair, holding him close as he drank from her. 
She moaned with each hard tug of his mouth, her body melting, her scent going dark and humid with desire. She gasped, shuddering all around him. With a wordless snarl, he pressed her down beneath him on the floor. He drank deeper, losing himself to erotic heat of the moment and a frantic desperation that terrified him. Mine, he thought, selfish and utterly savage with the idea. It was too late to stop now. The kiss had damned them both. Some time later. While the initial bite had been a shock, the sharp nick of pain had quickly dissipated into something lush and intoxicating. Pleasure bloomed all over his body from the inside out, as if each long pull of Lucian's mouth at her neck sent a shaft of warm light back into her, reaching down through her core to stroke her soul. He covered her with his naked weight, the robes askew as he took her to the floor with him. His hands were rough as they sank into her hair, holding her head to the side as he drank from her. Heedless of any pain his injuries might be the cause of, he pressed his bare chest against her breasts. His lips never broke contact with her neck, even for a second. She could feel the intensity, need, in every hard draw. She felt his strength, too. It was coming back, bit by bit, renewing because of her. Don't stop, she murmured. Speech slowed for the mounting ecstasy that was building in her with each pulsating movement of his mouth. You won't hurt me, Lucian. I trust you. The wet, succulent sounds of his hunger was the most erotic thing she'd ever heard. She loved the heat of his lips on her skin, the ungentle graze of his fangs as he drew her blood into his mouth with a sensation that was both dangerous and exciting. She was already soaring towards a splintered orgasm when she felt the thick head of Lucian's erection nudging against her sex. She was wet aching for him. He drove in deep with one thrust, filling her completely with rigid, volcanic heat, detonating her in an instant. Gabrielle cried out as he plunged hard and fast, his arms like a cage around her, clutching her tightly. He was mindless in his rhythm, a force of raw, magnificent desire. And still he remained fastened at the neck, pulling her into a blissful, creamy darkness. She closed her eyes and let herself float away towards that beautiful obsidian fog. Some place distant, she felt Lucian buck and pound above her, his strokes urgent, his large body vibrating with the power of his own release. She shouted something harsh, and then went completely still. The delicious pressure at her neck abruptly ended, and then vanished, leaving coldness in its wake. Still drifting, still awash in the heady feel of Lucian sheathed inside her, Gabrielle lifted her heavy lids. Lucian was poised over her knees, staring down at her as though frozen. 
His lips were bright, bright red, his hair wild around his head. His feral eyes were throwing off amber sparks. They were so very bright. His skin color was healthier, the network of markings on his shoulder and torso glowing a deep crimson black. What? What is it? She asked him, worried. Are, are you okay? He didn't speak for a long moment. Jesus Christ. The rough growl of his voice was tremendous, a pitch she'd never heard him in before. His chest was heaving. I thought you had. I thought I had. No, she said, giving a lazy, sated shake of her head. No, Lucian. I'm fine. She could read his intense expression, but then didn't give him a chance. He recoiled, sliding out of her. There was a stricken look in his transformed eyes. Her body felt cold and empty without his warmth. She sat up, rubbing off her sudden chill. It's okay, she assured him. Everything's okay. No. He shook his head and vaulted to his feet. No, this was a mistake. Lucian, I never should have let this happen, he bellowed. With a furious roar, he stalked to the foot of the bed and retrieved his clothes. He yanked his black camo pants and nylon shirt on, then grabbed his weapons and his boots and left the room in a tempest of seething rage. Lara Adrian, Kiss of Midnight, Midnight Breed, book number one. All right, thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. Get out of here. That's all you want, right? No? All right. <laughs> okay. I guess you've been pretty all right to me lately. I guess I should keep going. This is the equivalent of, like, the rock stars, like, Okay, guys, we played 27 minutes of our show and none of our hits. We're going off stage now. Bye. We're a huge, famous band, and we only played for 27 minutes, and none of our hits came out for some reason, but this is totally the end of the show. Bye. Don't fuck around, man. It's already hard enough to get out of here. Just stay on stage. Save us the five minutes. Maybe play an extra song. Goddamn. Goddamn. Yeah, but if everybody does it, nobody's being hooked. That's my point. If everybody does it, then it's standard and nobody's hooked. <laughs> okay. Her house was a two-hour drive up the Hudson River from Manhattan. Despite the peeling paint and curious sloping, floor, slope, slooping, sloping floors, Olivia fell in love with it in the moment she laid eyes on it. In its glory days, it was an elegant early 18th century farmhouse. Now, after years of neglect and weather, it was reduced to a shell of its former self. But Olivia, 
as she always did, saw through the facade. She still saw its understated elegance. It struck the perfect balance between the decorative twists and curls of the woodwork and the strong, linear utilitarianism of its structure. It was truly a rare beauty in a world of McMansions. As she drove up the hill to the first entrance, Olivia felt as if she was reuniting with her love after a long separation. She was eager to be in its embrace, and with its long, slow restoration, every reunion revealed a new surprise. Author's note. I have no idea where the fuck this is going. Last fall, Olivia had painstakingly hired a builder. After endless consultations and tours, she had finally chosen Mark. Much to her husband's dismay, always a pragmatist, Andrew disapproved of hiring someone whom he considered a novice. Although Mark had previously worked under more established builders, his own business was new and his passion for Oliver's home and his ability to share her vision won her trust. She had not regretted her decision. As she stepped out of her car, she was filled with the smell of the country air. Even in the late afternoon, its Christmas was a sharp contrast to the heavy city air that she breathed for weeks at a time. But here, in the openness of her seventeen acres of fields and wood, she felt cleansed and whole. Olivia unlocked the front door with her old-fashioned keys that she still kept the house secure. She had not yet chosen new hardware for the doors with Mark, so the security of the house was as it had always been. That is to say, not very. But here, Olivia felt very safe, and locking the door was a rarity. Inside, the house was cool. She felt the dampness that always filled the house when it was empty for a time. Before leaving, <clears throat> before leaving she always set the antiquated heating system to 55 degrees, which, for April was right where the daytime temperatures often lingered. Putting her overnight bag down, Olivia went to the thermostat in the kitchen. Now in mid-renovation, next to the thermostat, a note was pinned. Call before turning on. Mark hadn't mentioned anything the last time they spoke, but that had been several weeks ago. It was just past five in the evening, not too late, Olivia rang him, and she looked around the kitchen, waiting for Mark to pick up. She supposed she should have called Andrew to let him know that she had arrived safe. Truth be told, though, she would have chose chatting with Mark over chatting with her husband most of the time these days. Andrew could wait. As Olivia listened to the distant ring of Mark's phone, she thought about her conversations with Mark. Together, they had made a plan for her home walking through the rooms and envisioning the rebirth of each space. Literally, when she thought of the house, Mark was always there. And while she should have installed a certain amount of guilt, it didn't 
Finally, Mark's voicemail answered and Olivia left a message. It was just a few quick words. Just got in for the week. The kitchen looks great. Saw the note that you left about the heat. She hoped that he would call soon, or even better, stop by. It was chilly in the house, and she had a deadline looming. Warm fingers would be a perk. As she waited, she wandered through the house. Most of it was empty except for a few lonely things. Olivia had little reason to furnish the space until all the rooms had been renovated and restored. The lack of furniture gave the home a rustic Scandinavian minimalism that she found cleansing. The wood of the rooms, bathed in the golden afternoon light, made the spaces warm and inviting, even in their bare states. She loved it this way. One exception was the master bedroom. Olivia had found an antique shaker-style bed she had fallen in love with shortly after buying the house. She built the room around the lean lines of the four-post bed, letting nothing else overshadow its elegance. The simplicity of it all wrapped her in a peaceful serenity. And that was elusive in the city. Here, she easily fell asleep in the quiet sounds of the old house, often dreaming of her next project with Mark. Mark, over the past decade, over the past several months, oh, <clears throat> uh-oh, we're switching narrators. Over the past several months, Olivia had begun to realize that's when she was in the house. It was Mark she thought of, no, am I? I'm so sorry. One second here, I was like trying to understand what's happening here. Well, let's just read it. Mark. Over the past several months, Olivia had begun to realize when she was in the house, it was Mark she thought about. Here, he was the only one who made her happy. His intense brown eyes understood her. He bore the mark of someone who had worked in manual labor his entire life, his fingers blunted and calloused from years of using tools, his back strong and firm from lifting and hauling. Mark had a careless sexiness that Olivia loved. The more, on more than one occasion, she grazed his body just to feel him against her. That feeling was feeding a growing fantasy that returned to her again and again. Hello? Olivia's thoughts retreated to the corners of her mind at the echo of his voice in her house. Hey! she called, and she descended the grand center staircase. Her stockinged feet slid over the smooth indentations of the pine pink flooring. Mark was revealed to her from his worn leather work boots to his old, oiled canvas jacket. Seeing him, a smile spilled across her face, and she knew she must have told... <clears throat> and she knew she must have told... More than just, please turn on the heat. Just having him in the house spread a warmth through her body that canceled the previous need for heating. Sorry, Mark beamed at the sight of her, too. I, uh, I knocked, but you didn't hear her. I guess we need to get on that new hardware thing soon. Locks, door knocker, small necessities, he joked 
Meeting him at the bottom of the stairs, she gave him a hug. Bathed in the evening light that pressed through the side-light panels of the old cherry door, Mark was an alluring combination of grit and refinement. Her lingering thoughts of him, now mixed with their embrace, made her wonder if she was crossing a boundary. As she let go of him, she said, No problem. I'm happy if you are. The words tumbled out of her as though they were trying to hide what truths lay beneath. I picked up some Thai food for dinner. Will you stay? She asked. Sure, Mark said as he followed her to the kitchen. My suppliers for the other jobs are delayed until next week, so I may have some extra time for you, he teased. My God, he knows, Olivia thought. She blushed as she turned to unpack the food. The heat? She asked, changing the subject. It's complicated, he said. With the new lines for the kitchen, we need to rework the connections that lead to the upstairs part of the system. So for the next week or so, no heat up there. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were coming this week. He was truly apologetic, maybe fearing the wrath of any unhappy clients. But if you are okay with the heat downstairs, and you have a fireplace in your bedroom, so you should be set. I know it's not ideal, but no problem. I'll be fine, she said. I guess I have always wanted to try these bedroom fireplaces. Now I have a reason to. Again, without meaning to... Olivia realized the suggestiveness of her own words. Or maybe they weren't. Right now, everything was innuendo to her. She was flustered. If Mark read anything into her comments, he gave no indication. Olivia brought the food to the dining room. We're eating in your favorite room. Mark said, following her with the paper plates and utensils, the mirrored walls illuminated by the antique chandelier were one of the most adored parts of the house. The walls, depicting scenes from 18th century life, village life, never ceased to reveal new secrets with each look. As Mark made himself comfortable, Olivia thought about the fact that she had spent more time in her house, that he had spent more time in her house than she had. I know. I find it hard to work in here. The murals still distract me, she said, walking back into the kitchen. They're amazing. Maybe it's just my ADHD, she laughed. Wine or beer? She asked, opening the refrigerator. Whatever you're having, Mark called, as he began marking plates for both of them. Olivia brought in a bottle of wine and two small juice glasses. We'll start with wine. She smiled when she saw that Mark had set up two places for dinner at the corner of the table. As the two ate, their talk drifted from plans for the house to local happenings in town. Olivia knew that Mark was single from previous conversations, and nothing new led her to believe otherwise now. She knew that he was devoting everything to his company, which left little time for everything else. Except for tonight, when he seemed to have plenty of time for her.
Opening a second bottle of wine and feeling freer, Olivia leaned close to him and said what she had been thinking all night. You know, this house is really yours and mine. We are the ones who have dreamed about it, and no one else. Her voice was soft and smoky, uninhibited. She put a hand under the table and caressed his thigh. I want to share it with you. Now she had left nothing unsaid. She waited. If she had read him wrong all these months, she'd be looking for a new builder tomorrow. Mark sat motionless, staring at the mural. Finally, he turned to her and kissed her gently. I want that too. Then, taking her head into his hands, he kissed her deeply. The pent-up attraction between them escaped in a flurry of movement. The two stood, still locked in a deep kiss, their bodies pushing into each other for the first time. Mark's hands began their exploration of her body, but then he stopped and asked, Are you sure? His lips, though, had still traveled the arc of her neck. Yes, she sighed. She sighed. You are the only one I think about. No one else. Mark's hand slid down her ass and gently felt its curves before lifting her up. She wrapped her legs around his waist, feeling the flexed muscles of his torso. Through his jeans, she could feel his excitement. She longed to see him understanding. She longed to see him standing before her naked, his hard cock beckoning her. She pushed her hips into him and whispered in his ear, Take me upstairs. Wordlessly, he, ho he honored her request and climbed the staircase to her bedroom. As they reached the top, Mark lowered Olivia down and let her lead him into the bedroom. He didn't want to assume that they would go into her room. It's cold. I'm sorry, he apologized as they walked into the room. He pulled her close and kissed her again. Olivia smiled. This is your fault. You think you need to fix this, she said playfully. Maybe you need to go out and get a few log bundles for the fire. As you wish, Mark replied, begrudgingly letting her go. And who knows? There may, there, there may be further repercussions for your shoddy workmanship, she said, following him out the door. She pulled him close one more time, biting his lip as he tried to leave. When Mark returned with two bundles of firewood, Olivia was standing in the middle of the room, wrapped in a heavy woolen blanket. A blade of light from the bathroom cut through the darkness, illuminating her figure. She was looking out of one of the windows. The shadows of the tree branches nearby were barely visible in the black of the night. I thought you might have changed your mind, Olivia said, sitting down on the edge of the bed. I thought about it. Mark untied the twine from around the wood bundles and began stacking them in the fireplace. But I was worried I wouldn't get paid if I didn't come back. 
He smiled at that and lit the fire. They watched the fire slowly crawl around the logs, licking the bricks of the fireplace as the flames grew stronger. It'll be warm soon. He stood and pulled her to him. Thank you, said Olivia. Mark's hands explored her curves through the blanket. I... I am glad that you are here. She looked up into his eyes and saw the fire reflected in them. Kissing him once more, she took a step back and faced the fireplace, feeling the warmth of the flames on her face. She dropped the blanket. She stood in the center of the room, her body naked, exposed and absorbing the growing heat. The orange light danced off her moon-pale skin and gave the appearance of movement, although there was none. You are so beautiful. Mark's eyes locked on her body. Olivia didn't know if he was struck by her body or her boldness, but she loved the power that her body wielded over him now. She smiled and stepped over the blanket. <coughs> she smiled and stepped over the blanket that lay in a soft puddle on the floor. The cold of the floor raced through her feet and up her body with each step. She ignored it, though, focusing instead on Mark's expression of wonder. She knew that to him, she was the woman with whom he had spent hours debating window restoration and pine planking, the woman with whom he had ever seen in jeans, baggy oxfords, and dark-rimmed glasses. And now she stood in front of him, laying bare the parts of her that she had long desired to share with him. And she thought of this contradiction. She flushed with a roaring need to take him. But for now, she would control herself. Do you approve? She whispered close enough to him that her nipples grazed the fabric of his shirt. He reached for her body, and she pushed his hands down to his side. No, he asked. I have thought about you since the first time I visited you here. It was summer, and you were in a little sundress. You met me in the yard with bare feet. I will never forget it. Mark tried to touch her again. Again, she resisted his touch. I will take care of you tonight, she whispered, running her hands up his thigh to his hard cock, which fought against the stiffness of his work pants. I promise to give you a new memory to never forget, she said as she started to unbutton his shirt. Mark stood motionless, accepting her orders, and her promise. Olivia watched him close his eyes to everything, his body absorbing her ginger touch. She slid his shirt off and took it in the contours of his chest, shoulders, and arms. Her fingers traced the lines of his muscles, following a path back down to his waist. There, Olivia stopped, teasing him. Her fingers explored just below his pants' waistline. She felt his coarse hair and twirled it with one finger. I want you, he begged. In time, 
Olivia circled behind him, her thin, pale body glided across the floor like an apparition in the flicker of the firelight. Sun kissed his back, his lips barely touching her skin. She felt him shudder, and a low moan escaped his body. She knew that he was fighting a desire to take her right there. Watching him was enough to make her come, but she controlled herself, only echoing Mark's groan of pleasure. Still standing behind him, her body pressed into his. Olivia pushed open his pants. Roughly now, she shoved them down beyond his ass. She pushed her forehead into his back and explored his cock with her hands. She felt its heaviness and imagined its strength. She played with the head and felt the softness of the skin. Her fingers traced the ridges and valleys of her veins in the shaft. She squeezed. So long, she murmured, stroking his cock. As she did, Olivia imagined that it was her own cock that she was holding. Her body responded accordingly. Her wet pussy pressed into his warm ass, and she began to move it with her hand. I feel you're wet, Mark said, reaching back, grabbing her ass. For a moment, she let her explore. He let him. She let him explore, before stepping in front of him. Soon, she said. She took his hands and led him to the bed. Obediently, he followed. Lay down, and close your eyes. She watched as he laid back on the white comforter, still plump on the bed from winter months. Olivia picked up the two pieces of twine that had held in the firewood in neat bundles. Softly, she took each to Mark's hands and kissed them before wrapping the rope around his wrists and attaching each to one of the slender ports at the top of the bed. With each pull of the knot, she felt herself falling deeper into the well of pleasure that had been building for so long. As she finished tying his hands, a small smile broke across Mark's face. But he kept his eyes closed. He remained silent. Now, with only the fire crackling in the room, Olivia strangled Mark's torso, and she kissed him, this time hard and deep. She let her mouth slide down his body to find his cock, and her tongue explored the warm head and traced the thick veins down his shaft. Mark begged, I need to touch you, please. You will, she said. She took his cock deeply into her mouth. His hips matched the rhythm of her mouth, and he pushed himself deeper into her. Olivia felt herself growing full with ecstasy. Just the graze of her pussy on his leg was enough to bring her closer to climax. But she would not let this go. Yet. She had dreamed of Mark for too long for this to be over too quickly. Pulling herself away, she sat up and straddled his hips. With her pussy at the base of his shaft, she held his wet cock in her hands. Slowly, she jerked it, again holding it as if it was her own. Her hips moved with each stroke of her hand. She threw her head back and let her body ride him as she jerked him hard. 
Now Mark watched Olivia stranded against the twine that bound his hands. His muscles tensed as he fought to control his lust for her. His breath became shallow and fast. Now she would give them what they both wanted. She grabbed his cock and rubbed it its thickness against her engorged clit. Is this what you want? She teased him through her playfulness, was giving her growling focus on her own pleasure. Her wetness dripped above his cock and all around it, making his hair glisten in the firelight. Please. Olivia, let me touch you. Mark begged, his hips arching into the air, his cock seeking the soft warmth of the inside of her pussy. Falling forward, Olivia kissed him. Lacking the use of her hands, Mark's tongue attacked her mouth with a fury that surprised her. Quickly, she untied the twine from his wrists. A bright red imprint left its mark where he had been resisting against the bindings. With his hands free, he grabbed her ass, pulled her close, and flipped her onto the bed. I need to be inside you. Now, he said, with the strength and power new to her. The contrast sent her reeling with logging, and she nodded her consent. Lacing his fingers in hers, he held her arms above his head and sank himself into the heat of her swollen pussy. For a moment, he stopped and held himself deep inside her, relishing the moment. God. You are so fucking hot, he moaned, as his slow, rocking penetration began to take on a growing urgency. Knowing that this was finally giving him what he wanted, Olivia let go. With every plunge of his cock, she let herself draw nearer the flames of her orgasm. Olivia, Olivia, Olivia. Her name saturated his hot breath on her neck. She let herself fall. She felt her body seize as she came. The wave of heat and vibration filled her up. She relished her power as she rode her to climax to its first conclusion, and Mark began his. Olivia watched as he gave his body over to his pleasures. As she felt herself fill with his warm cum, she squeezed her pussy tighter around his cock, making him shudder with one final jolt of ecstasy. Collapsing onto her, Mark let go of Olivia's hands. He took her head in his hands and pulled her close for one final gentle kiss. She stroked his hair and gazed his eyes. In them, the flames of the fire that warmed the room reflected. The end. The Renovation by Erica Lynn Fitzpatrick <clears throat> Okay. Tips, please. Like I haven't fucking earned them. All right. Melissa D., thank you, your voice. Oh, Melissa D., thank you. Love your voice. Your forearm is also very sexy. Thank you. 
Claire B., you let me build my confidence in myself and my sex life in this short time. I'm grateful for that. Wish I could tip more. Oh, darling, I doubt you did great. Jody P., thank you for starting my weekend with the biggest smile. Lovely. You're very welcome, Jody. Says, ignore everything else. Show is off to a sweet start. Your upcoming break is so well-deserved. You deserve to have the best time with whatever plan I'll be doing. Thank you so much. Linda, thank you for enriching my life. Thank you, Linda. Valerie, thanks for an excellent Friday night also known as Paige. Julie K., my sound lover. Thanks for all the exceptional pieces this month. Fabulous work, Jack. Love you. Love you too, darling. Thank you so much. Send those tips in. I will read them before the end of the show. We are not done yet. Oh, my goodness. Pay the man. Won't you pay the man? Listen to how hard the man works. Why won't you pay him? Pay the man. Pay the man. The man works hard. Why won't you pay the man? Won't you pay the man? Pay the man. Pay the man. Pay the man. He works hard. All right. <clears throat> They were a couple. It was easy to see. She blushed when he leaned into her whisper, and he grinned in response, seeing the effect he was having. Inches separated them as their knees touched, her hands resting gently on his arm. While the bar was packed with people, they only had eyes for each other, oblivious to everything and everyone around them. They were bound to one another, heart and soul, and only a fool could not see it. Theirs was a chemistry like wildfire, brazen, bold, and out of control, all-consuming passion and want and need, their connection beyond definition. Between them existed an intimacy fostering over years. Years of laughter and texts and emails and phone sex, long kisses, secret nights, moments that alone were simple but together told a complicated yet irrevocable love story that spanned decades. They met when she was 18, he was 20, two strangers at a college party that found one another between the music. She blushed as he stopped to talk with her, leaning against the wall casually, beer in hand. Of course, they didn't just find each other. She noticed him in one of her classes and instantly felt an attraction. She had been staring at the back of his head all semester, fantasizing about ways she might run into him outside of class while she should have been paying attention. Through a friend, she learned his name, and that same friend also told her about a party his frat was having that Saturday. She knew his casual stroll by was most likely a setup, but she didn't mind. Until that night, they'd never spoken, but as they stood there, inches apart, the spark between them was palpable, making her stomach tumble and the heat creep up her neck. With wide, innocent eyes, she listened as he spoke, absentmindedly twirling a lock of hair around her finger, hoping he could see just how much she liked him. And judging by the way his eyes flickered as they continued to talk, his sexy, lopsided smile growing, she sensed he liked her, too. He greeted friends as they walked by, and in those moments he went, his attention was elsewhere. She took the opportunity to look closer at his face that has always been hidden 
beneath a red baseball cap. He had freckles across the bridge of his nose, which was slim against her slong jaw and soft pink lips that made her weak in the knees. She swallowed as he turned back to her, hoping he hadn't noticed her staring. But the look in his eyes told her that he had, and he didn't wait for her attention to turn elsewhere to do the same. He stared at her, intently, lifting his beard to his lips, his eyes doing all the talking. When she looked at him, her lips tingled, and her mind wandered to delicious places, and she couldn't remember any of the guys she dated in high school ever eliciting that kind of response. And while she hardly knew him, she knew kissing him would be like heaven and sin combined. She wanted to kiss those lips and feel his body pressed against hers. And the closer he got as they spoke, she thought it may happen. But they wouldn't kiss that night. It would take another encounter between the two, fueled by whiskey and beer before that and more would happen. When she left the party, he was talking with friends, clapping one on the back and, and giving a high five to another. She figured she was probably gone from his mind, their conversation nothing more than a few minutes between co-eds at another frat party. But it was more than a few minutes to her. And when she went back to her dorm room that night, he was not far from her mind. She fell asleep, replaying their conversation over and over, letting her hand wander down her stomach to the soft skin between her legs, while her roommate lay sleeping in the bed a few feet away. She thought of that night often over the years, and while the stretch between that time together could be anywhere from weeks to years, it was the sweetest memory that stayed with her. Like now, as she closed the door to her hotel room, feeling him come up behind her, she remembered that night. And never, in her wildest dreams, would she have imagined it would lead to so many others, just like this one, over the years. The space between them closed as he leaned in and pressed his body against hers, igniting the spark that lay dormant while apart. She knew how badly he wanted her, and feeling the effect she had on him filled her with excitement, and she would never tire of the way he made her feel in return. Sexy, powerful, desired, he brought out her true self, the one she kept hidden from everyone but him. And in his light, she came to life. He kissed her neck while sliding a hand between the buttons of her shirt, and she gasped as his hand brushed her skin. She tilted her head back to him, reached a hand up, grabbed the back of his neck, and pulled his mouth down onto her skin. He unbuttoned her blouse skillfully, reaching under her bra to run his finger along the smooth skin of her breast and gripping a nipple between his thumb and forefinger, rubbing it gently, simulating the desire. She moaned as he teased her, his mouth leaving a trail of fire as he brushed her hair aside and moved his lips to her shoulder while reaching down to the hem of her skirt. 
She liked to look good for him and made sure to wear beautiful lingerie under carefully considered outfits that displayed her still alluring outfits, while holding the trouble areas that had cropped up over the years. It's excited her to shop for new clothes, twisting and turning in front of the dressing room window to see how her body would form in the different angles. Whenever they were together, there was no time to waste. The easier it was to lift, the quicker he could be inside her. And that's what she craved most. After hiking the skirt up around her waist, he slid his hand down her thigh, his touch sending her pulse into overdrive. He loved the duality of her legs, their strength and softness, and she knew the thought of them drove him crazy. It's what compelled her over the years to send him pictures of her legs and nothing else. In the shower, bath, or stretched out before on the bed, she knew he was turned on by the feel of them wrapped around his back, pushing down into him deeper. So, despite the cold, she slipped into a sexy pair of heels, just for him. Slipping his hand up the inside of her thigh, the softer skin more delicate to the touch, she arched her back and slid a finger under, a pant uh, under her panty and into the soft folds of her skin. Yes. She gasped, drawing a sharp intake of air. You like that? I like you. She panted, spreading her legs wider and grabbing his hand, pressing his fingers deeper into her. It had been too long since they last saw each other, and the sheer ecstasy of his penetration made her hungry for more. God, I want you, she whispered, her erection pushing, his erection pushing against her. He slid in another finger, opening her up, his rhythm skilled, her legs beginning to weaken in anticipation. You're so wet, he said with approval, his erection growing harder. It's what you do to me, she said huskily, wanting him to bring her first climax right there. But she knew he wouldn't. Not yet. He would wait until he was inside her before making her come. Sliding the panties down, he slid her around to face him. They had both aged well over the years, but his eyes burned with a fire that was only for her. When he looked at her, she felt wanted and confident. Even now, as she skillfully lifted her toe to the heel and kicked the panties aside while unbuckling his belt and pulling his pants and boxers down, she did so with the ease and assuredness he brought out in her. He lifted her leg around him and leaned in, pressing her back against the door, pulling her bra down, breasts spilling free. He leaned down and sucked the taut skin of her nipple, flicking it up with his tongue. And she reached for his cock greedily, wrapping her hand around its shaft. You need to be inside me, she ordered, running her hand up and down its length. He removed his hand from inside her, brought it up to her mouth, and ran a finger along her lower lip, watching with lustful eyes as she licked his finger, tasting herself. Please, she begged, 
hand still around him, running the tip of his penis against the inside of her thigh. His eyes burned at her moist heat, made him grow harder in her gasp, and she began to ache, waiting for the moment she dreamed when they weren't together. It could be days, it could be months, at a few points in their lives it had even been years. It didn't matter, the passage of time. When he entered her, it shot a bolt of electricity through her body that erased all rational thought, filling her mind with visions of only them. Locking eyes, he guided himself into her, filling her completely with his first penetration. The desire she felt at the moment was overpowering. She opened her legs as wide as they would go, taking him in hungrily. How does that feel? He asked, one hand on her hip, the other reaching for her hand, pinning it above her head. She nodded, too caught up in the exquisite pleasure of finally having him after all this time. And as he began to move, their bodies fell into sync a special rhythm they'd perfected over time. Watching him with a thick-lashed fuck-me eyes, she drank in the face of the man she loved. No matter how many times they had done this, no matter how many nights they had spent together, the fact he was int the fact that he wasn't hers made her need to remember as much of this night as she could, so she could wrap herself in it when he wasn't with her and her heart was lonely. Removing his hand from that held hers firm, he reached for the other leg and pulled it around him, cupping her round buttocks in his hands, bringing her down onto him faster. She closed her eyes, feeling him fill her, enjoying the warmth that was building as he hit her pleasure spot, over and over. When they were in college, it was just sex, a physical release between two young bodies. But over time, as they learned what the other field, what the others liked and, and feelings evolved, it was much, much more. Sure, there were times when they fucked hard and fast, needing to release the sexual tension that had developed well apart. While at other times, they made love slowly, building towards mutual satisfaction. But no matter the intensity, no matter the kind of pace, the feeling of being alone together, bodies fused as one, was beyond words. Each part of her wanted him, and his every touch, every kiss, every penetration lit her soul on fire. God, you feel so good. He huffed, breath growing labored as beads of sweat formed on his temples. Harder. She begged, reaching for his lower lip with her mouth, pulling it between her teeth. He complied, bending his knees, slamming into her with more force. You like that? You know I do. You know what I like. She ran both her hands down his back, nails breaking into his skin. She didn't care he would have to hide his back when he showered at home. Right now, he was hers, and she would stake her claim in whatever way she wanted. This was what she craved. Them, together, the way it should have been, always. She wanted him to want her so much that he wouldn't leave her, to crave her so, bad, to crave her so badly that she could not sleep, to feel her in every part of him. 
That could not be shaken from his soul. She wanted him to love her completely as she did to him and want for her so badly he would choose her once and for all. Let go, he whispered, pushing into her, their sweat-covered their sweat bodies sticking together. No. She bit her lower lip, too caught up in the perfection of them, to release just yet. Do it for me, he ordered. Tell me you love me. He looked at her, biting his lip as he thrust. Tell me, she said again, slowing her rhythm. That's not fair. He looked at her, eyes heavy. You know how I feel. I need you to say it. Not during sex. Yes, she ordered, while you're in me, while you're fucking me. She locked her eyes on his. She could feel him pulsating, his need for her vibrating inside her body. I love you, he said finally, pulling her down onto him. I fucking love you. He said again with conviction and promise, the only one he could make. With his confirmation, she leaned in for his mouth with her own and kissed him deeply as she swerved her hips in coordination with, their, with his, their tongues dancing with one another. Once their mouths parted, he looked at her, eyes so full of fire as he slid his fingers between the slick slit between her legs, encouraging her building orgasm with his fingers. She always came hard when he touched her there with penetra while penetrating her, and he knew it. She hadn't played fair, and he was punishing her for making him admit the one truth that he kept buried from her. A bead of sweat trickled down between her, between her breast, and he licked it, then brought his mouth again to hers. His mouth tasted of salt as his fingers played her expertly while thrusting into her hard and deep. Knowing the exquisite moment of climax was seconds away, she closed her eyes and turned her head, lips parting out as she cried, her body shaking with each powerful release. God, you're beautiful. He watched as she came, and seeing the woman he truly loved and wanted, biting her lip as he encouraged her orgasm, made him come, too. He released, his body shaking as he filled her. I missed you, he said softly, once his breathing slowed, and looked at her, eyes full of everything he wanted, but could not say. Too. She leaned in, forehead to his, breathing him in one, breathing him in one last time before sliding one leg down, placing a foot gingerly on the floor, and then the other. Hours later, they lie sleeping side by side together, in every sense of the word. But in the morning, he would leave, and she would follow. They were a couple, only they weren't and how badly they wished this wasn't the case. The End Want by Marie Anthony All right, guys. 
I feel like I'm kind of fading a little bit. I'm sorry. I came in swinging. I had a lot of energy. I think I've spent most of that energy. <laughs> Thanks to everybody who came out kind of early and, and had me uh, and kind of did the hour with me before. It's always so nice. Thank you to everybody who came out there. Uh, I am kind of fading fast. So let me see what I've got here. What can I do of what I've got? Nobody signed up, right? Last minute. <laughs> he said too tired. <laughs> Nobody wants sex from me, right? Daddy's tired. I'm surprised. It's hitting me suddenly. That's not normally what happens. Normally I know what my fatigue is going to be like. Uh, this is not one of those days. No one signed up. Guys at home, two weeks. Two weeks now I've begged for phone sex. And two weeks now I've gotten all of these women going... Um, now, I know you want it. I know you do, so I'm going to be shameless about it. I should probably be more shameful. Come out to the next live show. I'm going to do one in March, at least one in March. Come out. Come out and have phone sex with me. Be the brave girl. Invite the brave girl. Bring them on out. Let's make it happen. All right, how many fucking words is this? All right. <clears throat> Lord Zed had been spending most of his time these days trying to figure out a way to rid himself of the Power Rangers, once and for all. Time and time again, they were thwarting his attempts to take over the Earth for himself. Each defeat left him more and more frustrated, and these defeats increased his anger at the Power Rangers and, consequently, his desire for revenge. He had tried everything. Each monster was bigger and stronger, and yet it didn't matter. Each time he thought he had created the ultimate monster, the six accursed teenagers would morph into action. Somehow, some way, defeat him. You ever consider the problem is you, Zed? When you make a monster that can't be destroyed by teenagers in skin-tight suits, doing over-the-top top flicks and kicks that belong more in an acrobatic show than actual combat, it's clear that you should be addressing some technical problems. And it was at this point when Lord Zed was at his lowest, feeling that perhaps the rangers were too strong for him and that he should leave Earth alone, that he made a most horrific discovery. Horrific for him? Horrific for us. While monitoring Earth's broadcast one day, he discovered torture. How in the world did he not know about that yet? To the participants in the NPR discussion panel, they probably thought that they were doing a good deed. The participants were regional representatives of Amnesty International and were discussing the use of abuse of torture throughout the world today. The concept being foreign to Zed. How? After all, beings such as him do not feel pain. Oh, well, I guess that makes a kind of sense. He tapped into some of Earth's literature and learned all about what torture was. Okay. I can see that an imaginary six-foot-tall rubber monster was going to a library to check out books on torture. 
it's kind of hilarious. And it excited him. If you're excited, then fap or go for a brisk walk. Don't torture people. This, he thought, was the ultimate device to use on the rangers. Subject them to torture, and that would destroy them for once and for all. He sent Goldar down with some putties to gather all the literature they could find that would help him inflict pain on a human being. They returned shortly with a series of books, several anatomy books and medical texts, documentation from Amnesty, and shocking manuals from the CIA, the KGB, and other agencies detailing how to torture victims. How the fuck did they get the top-secret CIA KGB documents? Do buddies know how to hack now? Do they say, wah, wah. Lord Zed exalted when he Lord Zed exulted when he saw the pile of books. He just knew what was needed. A new monster, more hideous and horrific than any he had ever created. He needed Miley Cyrus. This new monster would be made from the books as such complete knowledge of torture. Zed laughed a great hearty laugh. Ha ha ha! And pointed his staff at the pile of books and chanted, Behold, I give you Tortura! Creating? Creative naming there, Zed. I wonder how you pronounce it. Tortura? Tortura? Torterra? Wait. That last one's a Pokemon. Ah, now I have the image of a Pokemon doing this shit. It's even worse. A book of lightning came, a bolt of lightning came from the staff and flew onto the books. The books melted together and began to grow. And soon there stood the horrible Tortura. Tortura was six feet tall. <laughs> okay. Yet, I don't know why that's so funny, but all the monsters being exactly six feet tall is very amusing to me. Like, they're all on Tinder. There's not a single 5'11 monster or 5'10 monster. They're all exactly six foot. Uh-huh. All right, guys. <laughs> none, of the, none of the females' heights were listed. I'm just saying. He had several colors on his skin from the different covers of books. There were splotches of red, blue, green, yellow, and other colors. His body was rubbery, and that way all Zed monsters were. But he seemed so much more human-like than Zed's other monsters. Most striking of the human-like characteristics were Tortura's hands. Instead of having huge tentacle-like hands like most of Zed's monsters inevitably had, Tortura's hands were delicate and firm. In other words, well-suited for the unspeakable work he was made for. Being a hand model? Once Tortura stood there, Zed looked at his handiwork and was quite pleased. Now, all that was left to do was choose a ranger for him to torture, although that decision had, in fact, been made as soon as Zed had first discovered torture. It would be Kimberly, the pink ranger. Being the crazy Yao fangirl that I am, the Red Ranger and Blue Ranger would have made this marginally better for me. It would have been more vomit profusely and cry tears of blood, but at least I would want to stab myself in the chest with a carving knife. She stirred emotions and feelings in Zed. Hmm? 
Oh, she stirred emotions and feelings and said that he didn't quite understand. Then fapped to pictures of her. Don't do this shit! Yeah, it would still be disgusting, but at least it would be over quickly. But what he did understand was that she was delicate. And oh, so sensitive. How the fuck do you know that? Is it because she's pink? You sexist mother. Zed was truly looking forward to subjecting petite and pretty Kimberly to Tortura's, Tortura's hideous skills. It would be a truly marvelous revenge on those Power Rangers that he hates so much. It was late afternoon. Kimberly was in the Angel Grove juice bar and gym, practicing gymnastics. She was dressed in a pink leotard which showed off her body. And it was quite a lovely body, too, firm and lean from years of athletic endeavors. You know, sometimes when you're reading stories like this, it's easy to let your mind wander in the context of the story to something that doesn't hurt as much. Like, you read these lines and the story smacks you back in the cruel reality and your dick reminds you that this was intended to get someone off. As she continued to work out, she was unaware of the horror that awaited her. I was unaware of the horror that awaited me, too. Why did I decide to read this fanfic? Finishing her workout, she grabbed a towel and headed for the locker room to shower. She took off her Power Ranger Morpher. I'll take useful things that you should never put down for 200 Alex. And put down her bag and almost at once left the room filled with putties. Hideous foot soldiers of the evil Lord Zed. Before she had a chance to react, five of them launched at her and grabbed her, holding her securely. She struggled mightily against them, but to no avail. See, probably was afraid to break a nail, because she's the pink one, right? Then there was a flash of light, and she was in the lair of Lord Zed, and at the end of the room was Zed himself. The putties held her firmly before the hideous Lord Zed. Ah. Power Ranger, intoned the monster, now I have you. And this is truly the beginning of the end for the Power Rangers. Kimberly struggled against the putties, but they held her firmly. She was afraid, but since she had been a Power Ranger, she had learned to hide her fears. You won't get away with this, Zed, she said defiantly. The others will be here soon, and you'll pay. I think not, Power Ranger. I think not. And, in any event, I have something planned for you. Bring her to the chamber, ordered Zed. The putties dragged Kimberly down the dark and gloomy hall. Where am I? she wondered. Where are they taking me? They finally arrived at a large door. The door creaked open and a voice intoned. Bring her in. Kimberly was dragged inside, and what she saw there filled her with more terror than she had ever felt in her young life. Her knees went weak, a shudder went through her, and it took every ounce of self-control not to scream. Slenderman? The room was a torture chamber. Oh. I, was, I thought it was going to be Slender Man. It was a completely spotless. Mental instruments glistened along the light. They almost looked sterile, but it was filled with the most horrible instruments of torture she had ever seen. And her terror was well planned. Tortura 
being well-versed in the psychological modes of torture, as well as the physical. Knew full well what the first side of this room would do to Kimberly, and the side of Tortura himself, checking the implements of pain, sent pure terror through her. I feel pure terror as well, but that's only because my PTSD panic attacks are setting in. Tortura walked to Kimberly and looked her over. Remove her clothes, he ordered and the putties quickly tore the clothes from Kimberly's body. They also removed her shoes and all her jewelry. Her hair had been tied back, but they removed the band, and now it hung freely. Kimberly was naked before she even had a chance to gasp, and she wished desperately that she could cover her nudity. She could feel the cold floor underneath her bare feet, Tortura motioned to a chain hanging from the ceiling. Tie her there, he said, and the putties dragged Kimberly to the center of the room and tied her arms over her head to the chain from the ceiling. Kimberly was bound from the ceiling and had to raise slightly onto the balls of her feet in order to relieve the pressure that was building on her arm. When she looked up, she saw Tortura was standing right in front of her. He put his hands out and cupped Kimberly's breasts firmly and began to fondle them. Of course he did. Remember, this was intended to be erotic. He tweaked her nipples with his thumbs, and he squeezed her breasts. Kimberly was overwhelmed with shame and terror and turned her head away. What's the matter, Pink Ranger? Mock Tortura. Don't you like this? Tortura had correctly gauged Kimberly's response to psychological torture. She was humiliated and felt even more helpless and vulnerable than she had before. <laughs> God damn it. I want to stop and give notes so badly. Head turned away from the awful monster. She closed her eyes and was trying not to think about that. Anything but the creature that was fondling her naked body when the offending hands finally stopped caressing her body. She opened her eyes and saw that Tortura was standing before her holding a whip. The whip was a form of cat of nine tails and a very slight of it struck, at the very sight of it, of it struck fear into the naked, bound girl. And that was the intent of it. Zed had the power to conjure up whatever to voices torture wanted, and he wanted this very special whip. Its construction was very carefully considered. It looked fearsome, and would deliver intense pain. But the lashes were so wide that they would not leave any permanent marks. Did did this guy do his own research on whips? That, That makes this worse somehow. Indeed, only some bruises would remain and the whipping would finish. Tortura held the whip in front of Kimberly's face so she could drink in the full terror of the device. Kimberly had never been whipped or beaten before in her entire young life. She had never been spanked by her parents. She was filled with terror as Tortura ran the whip over her face, her breasts, and her nipples. Yes. Her parents were afraid to shatter her weak feminine bones, because she's the pink one, you see. And he stood before her and said, And now the fun begins. 
yeah, fun. This is what fun is. Fun. Help me. Kimberly took up into the ceiling, looked up into the ceiling, and tried to prepare herself for what was about to come when her smooth back and firm, shapely ass was displayed and ready for punishment. Damn it. I was actually starting to fool myself into believing that this was a horror fic instead of a torture porn. Tortura brought his arm back and swung the whip. Kimberly could hear it whoosh through the air. And then her back exploded. Her mouth went open in a silent gasp of pure agony, and her back exploded again. She had never felt such pain in her entire life. As a ranger, she always had that special suit on, which softened all the blows to the point where she never really felt pain in the suit, just pushing or pressure. This was agony. And once again, her back exploded. Her eyes began to fill with water, and blood rushing through her ears was blocking out most of the other sounds. She began to twist desperately, trying to avoid the blows, but Tortura would take careful aim and strike her. The whip landed on Kimberly's shapely back and buttocks over and over and over again. Kimberly continued to twist and writhe as her beatings continued. Although she was determined not to scream or cry, tears began to flow down her cheeks, and each time a blow landed, a cry of misery would escape her lips. The others, the others will be here soon, she kept thinking to herself, for it was the only thing that allowed her to endure the whipping. But each time she thought the whipping was over and that Zed's horrible laughter would stop, there was another hissing sound and more pain. Zed came to Kimberly, grabbed her by the hair, and twisted her pretty face towards his. Enjoying yourself, Pink Ranger? And taunted Zed. I don't know. What do you think, dumbass? Kimberly deadpanned. Kimberly looked him through tear-filled eyes and was trying to think of something clever and strong to say, but the whip landed. She let out a cry. Zed roared with laughter. And as Zed held the miserable girl's hair, Tortura piled the whip again and again and again. This fic is making me want to drink alcohol. Finally, the whipping sound in Kimberly was allowed to hang sweet sweat running from her firm naked body. Two putties each grabbed one of her legs, spread her legs, lifted her, and tried her and tied her ankles to poles. She was hanging horizontally, spread eagle in midair. Tortura approached her and Kimberly trembled in fear. Tortura held the whip in front of Kimberly's face. Kimberly closed her eyes and turned her head away from the whip, but Tortura grabbed her by the hair, twisted her face to his, and roared, Look at me! Look at what's happening to you! You're being used as masturbatory material for a horribly mentally disturbed fanboy. How does that make you feel? Screamed Tortura. Pretty horrible, actually, Kimberly screamed. He allowed the whip to run over her face, her shoulders, her breasts, nipples, and stomach. Finally, he walked back between her legs and began to stroke her cunt and pubic hair. Well, now that makes a little more sense. Someone actually kill me. Kimberly moaned in agony and closed her eyes, once again turning her head away from what was happening to her. Then Tortura grabbed Kimberly's pubic hair and gave a yank. Pain shot through her, and her eyes popped open, and she squealed. 
Yeah, that does hurt like a bitch. And Dodra drew back the whip. Oh, my God, Kimberly cried as Tortura sent the whip into her cunt. Oh, my God, cried Snarky Yowl Lover as she desperately tried to drown herself in the kitchen sink. Kimberly screamed a piteous scream of pain as the whip struck her pussy. Oh, God. Oh, God. Ah! My exact reaction to this fanfic. Tortura continued to whip away at Kimberlyn's virgin pussy. How do you know that she's a virgin? Kimberly had thought that the pain she had felt from the earlier whipping was the worst possible. But this was a thousand times worse. All pretense of strength gone. Kimberly began to scream and beg for mercy, but Tortura continued to whip away. Oh, God, no. Please, no. Go! Please! No more! I would say that's also a reflection of my fig, but that would be over the top. And yet the vicious monster continued to scent the whip flying into Kimberly's cunt. After seven strokes, Kimberly fainted. Thank God. Tortura calls to Goldar. The winged beast throws cold water onto the helpless girl's face. And Kimberly is awake. The whipping continues. God damn it. The chamber becomes a living hell for Kimberly, an intense agony as she feels being compounded by her shame at being naked and the horrible sounds of her screams mixing with the creature's joyous laughter. Kimberly was given a total of 50 strokes in the cunt. I'm going to read that line one more again just as it was written. Kimberly was given a total of 50 strokes in the cunt, during which the girl continued to scream in pain. <laughs> I have limits, guys. 50, 50 strokes to the cunt sounds like the edgiest wannabe... Scandinavian metal garage band with all of the members being 15 years old. 50 Strokes in the Cunt sounds like what an old sea captain would yell at a whore that he wants to intimidate at one of his shore leaves. 50... <laughs> 50 Strokes in the Cunt? Depending on who's writing it, like if that author is like Christine Applegala or something... That's probably like a really good 50 strokes, right? She's talking about the dick up in there. But like legitimately, we're talking about a girl getting whipped in the pussy, which is already incredible because I don't know how you make a whip that hits the pussy but don't hurt it. Holla at me. But the summation of I'm going to whip that pussy is to simply say she got 50 strokes in the cunt. And I'm thinking if I ever fuck a woman, not for very long, but she comes, and she's all like, I, I thought you were sex god. I thought you were made. I'm like, you got 50 strokes in the cunt. What are you worried about? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <clears throat> One more time, because that line is amazing. <clears throat> Kimberly was given a total of 50 strokes to the cunt 
which during which the girl continued to scream in pain. She fainted twice more and was revived. Finally, <laughs> she hung unconscious. The beating stopped. Lord Zed was exhilarated. More pain. She must be tortured much more. <coughs> I deserve that. But Tortura was wiser than this. <coughs> like I said, I deserve this. <coughs> For my sinful ways, I deserve this. <clears throat> my lord, she must be tortured. My lord, we must let her rest. I have plans to torture her for many more days. Right now, this was more of a warm-up session than a real torture session. She is very sensitive to pain, and if we were to try to inflict much more today, we may lose her. Better to let her rest and recover and quake over what we might have in store for the future. When she has regained some strength, we'll continue the torture, only even more intensely. Lord Zed quickly recognized the wisdom in the creature's words. Kimberly was awakened <coughs> with more cold water, and she was cut down and dragged before Lord Zed. Her shame at being displayed naked before her enemy was overwhelmed by the agony that encompassed her back, ass, and cunt. I'm overwhelmed at the agony of having to read this horror. Zed held Kimberly's head and turned her to what she would look in his face, her lovely face, covered in tears and full of pain, sent waves of joy through Zed's evil body. And now, Pink Ranger, it is time for you to rest. We have made a modest beginning here today, haven't we? I'm sure you enjoyed it as much as I did, but this is only the beginning, my dear. Sleep well, because the worst is yet to come. Take her away. And Zed began to laugh. His laughter rang in Kimberly's ears as she was taken away. I think it's really nice that he said sleep well in there. I said sleep well. There's a part three, but we're not reading it tonight. Save it. The name of this author is Snarky Yowl Lover. And it's on Wattpad if you want to read more. Uh, all of the voices and everything I read was actually something said until we got to 50 strokes in the pussy or 50 strokes of the cunt or whatever it was, in which case I, I really did need to take a moment to separate myself. Besides that, they actually read it, and they have the two voices, and, and it's responding to itself and all. Hey, guys, you should fucking pay me. You should pay the shit out of me. Like, listen to what a good show I put on, and how good I try, and how hard I do it. You should fucking pay me. You should also have a wonderful show. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Everybody who does, everybody who comes out to a live show, it brings the energy. You guys can see how the energy does go ahead and, uh, and just keep wrapping itself up over and over and over again. So thank you for coming out. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. Uh, a couple of more tips here at The Wire. Chelsea says, you've made my crap day so much better. Thank you. Thank you, Chelsea. You have a great weekend. Uh, Jessica, thank you for all that you do, Daddy. The perfect way to end a night. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. Linz, I'm going to go with Lindsay. Uh, or maybe not. Uh, Linz, 
And I don't know if you want me to say the rest of it, just let me know. Oh, it is Lynn, it is Lynn, okay. Uh, I adore you and wish I could give you more. Thank you for all your hard work and care for us. You are, in all honesty, a lifesaver, Lynn. Thank you so much, don't worry, you give so much. Ke uh, Kelly C says, another great show, Jack, and thanks for the fantasy view. Thank you, Kelly, I really appreciate you. Uh, Ashley R says, great job, Jack. You had me laughing so hard I was rolling in tears. Hopefully only at the last piece, because if it was through the whole thing, that would hurt my feelings. Says, Kimberly's morphin dinosaur is a pterodactyl. Uh, that, after that fan fiction, just take my goddamn money. Yes, but it wasn't a pterodactyl. It was a tarot-jackdoll. A tarot-jackdoll. So thank you for that. Okay, guys. Uh, that was the evening. <laughs> that was the show thank you for saying I'm amazing thank you for all the kind words thank you for all the feedback thank you for everything else there will be a patron show it is an unusual day it's Thursday I did want to get up before the end of the month though uh, so thank you to all my patrons patron show Thursday it's on the website you can check it out there uh, I will be more uh, will be more good I will be better about putting up next week's uh, or next month's shows because I am taking some time off so you guys need to know that ahead of time uh, and I'm going to just I'm working on schedule and, and whatnot throughout this next week. Let you know. Uh, thank you again for everything. You guys are amazing. Uh, I, I'm grateful for you. Thank you guys again for hearing me and the concern I had about the podcast and, and, and the sharing going down. It means a lot to me that you heard it, that you heard the human being asking for help, and you gave it. That's huge. Not everybody gets that that asks for it. So thank you. Uh, have a great, 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 great weekend. Hopefully you can hear that I keep healing up. I keep doing better. I don't know why I got so tired all of a sudden. I mean, I know that I pushed out a good three hours of content tonight if you came before we started recording, but I, I suddenly, boom, just fatigue. Uh, normally speaking these days, uh, I'm good for two hours, baby. Oh, baby, I'm good for two hours straight. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, I'll keep talking. I'll keep talking because uh, I love attention. You all should get out of here. You should stop listening to this podcast. You should listen to the next episode if you're at home. You should leave if you're at the live show. Thank you so much. I had a wonderful evening. I, uh, I'm i going to go. Hopefully you can hear that I showed up pretty damn sober. Uh, I'm going to go get real fucking high and have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. So thank you again to everybody. Uh, you're all so goddamn good to me. And uh, again, I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. I don't know why I don't know how to end shows. End of show. See you soon. Thank you so much. <laughs>